Well, good afternoon and thank you for joining me again for Business, The Law and You. Julian Campbell here and we've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. As usual, we'll have our Harvard Business Review tip. This particular one, use hackathons to generate new ideas. Also talking with Christina a bit later on about security issues in your business. But right now we're going to have our regular chat with Tony Vidray, the uh, Chartered Accountant. Good afternoon, Tony. Chartered accountant. The chartered, yeah. <laughs> I, thought was, I thought it was a chartered accountant. No, no, you're the chartered accountant now. Oh, the chartered accountant I talk to every month. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Good to talk to you, Julian. So uh, there's a lot in the news these days about uh, particularly high-profile businesses, Woolies, for example, not paying their employees enough. Uh, why is all this happening? Well, it, it's a, it's a quite a, a remarkable story that's unraveled um, in the press, and the list is extraordinary when you look at it. I actually, I think I have the definitive list here in front of me of all these are all the companies that have got themselves into trouble uh, in one way or another in the last six to twelve months in relation to payroll. So, Woolworths is probably the highest profile. West Farmers, Qantas, the Commonwealth Bank, Retail Food Group, Michael Hill Jewelers. George Columbaris's Entertainment, 7-Eleven, Caltex, Pizza Hut, Domino's, Lush Cosmetics, the ABC, Red Cross, Jamaica Blue, Muffin Break, Rebel, Super Cheap Autos, BCF, and the Australian Federal Police. They've <laughs> all had issues. It's not a laughing matter. They've all had issues with their payroll, and I thought we'd unpack it today. And, and yeah. look, you know, what's a chartered accountant doing talking about payroll? Um, when HR is not really my um, area of expertise. But your program is called Business, the Law and You. And let me just say, this is not a payroll issue. This is not a bookkeeping issue. This is not, you know, an accounting issue. This is a business issue, and it's a huge business issue. And and the point I'm really going to hammer home to anyone who's listening, who's running a business, who is employing staff, and that is pay attention to your payroll. If you are a reckless <clears throat> employer, if you're belligerent, if you're very blasé about these things, you will, you will be shredded. So, so essentially, that's, that's what Fair Work is essentially saying. You've got to pay attention to, to what it is that you're actually paying your employees. So that big list that you've just read out, mm. are those people just not paying attention to it or, or intentionally it's, it's doing it? It's a variety of things. The, the Woolworths one is probably the most intriguing. A lot of the other ones, um, uh, we'll, we'll probably pick out two of them. One is the master chef, George Columbaris. Um, he was underpaying staff, so yeah. there was no risk about that. But I'm a little bit annoyed with the way that was actually reported in the press because it, it actually gave a very, very misleading account of what had actually happened. He was he was off busy doing his master chef thing as he does. He had staff employed to, to pay all the you know do all the payroll. Um, he clearly wasn't watching any of this sort of stuff. He employed um, a new CFO, a new mm. chief financial officer, who did a sweep of all the practices in that in that business. And he came to George and he said, "We're underpaying the staff. We need to be paying them, you know, shift allowances, split allowances. There were a lot of there were a lot of additional things that had to be paid under the award. Simple as that, right? Mm. And they said, "All right, we'll you know we'll make a voluntary disclosure and, and we'll pay it." So this this is a, look. It's a situation where it was a mistake that was made. I, I don't for a minute it was intentional but the way it was reported in the press was that Fair Work were the ones who'd done the investigations that they had uncovered the um, you know the widespread fraud the underpayment the wages theft and and then they slapped um, you know George with a $200,000 fine well it's not what happened it was a voluntary disclosure they had done a sweep of what they'd paid 
um, the staff and, and you know they they were quite remorseful and quite upset about the whole thing and mm. and it's look it's it's and I'm not defending employers one in in any shape or form for those as I said who are reckless or who are belligerent but the ones the small businesses and the, and the businesses who do try and to do try and do the right thing the award system is complicated it is complex and you do need to spend and allocate resources to understand what it is that you actually have to pay. So he mm. got caught out. The Woolworths one is completely different. It, it's, it's a really intriguing one, and the ramifications of what is happening at Woolworths is going to ripple um, throughout Australia. Now, what happened there was that they were renegotiating their enterprise bargaining agreement. So companies as large as Woolworths, McDonald's do it as well, um, they recognise that the award system is very complicated. So what they do is they try and come up with a rate of pay which is higher than the minimum, but they say, we'll pay you this rate of pay regardless of whether you work on a Saturday or a Monday or a Wednesday. That's it. That's the EBA. But to get the EBA approved, it has to go through all the, the, the proper you know, authorities. And what was happening with Woolworths, they were having a look at the EBA, and one of the things that an employer is allowed to do, and that is that if you pay someone 15% more than the minimum of the highest rate of pay in the award, you can actually require that person to work a reasonable amount of overtime. Now, the, the inside story is that the Woolworths paid staff, the, the salaried staff, were working enormous amounts of unpaid mm-hmm. overtime. Mm-hmm. And the, this you know, commission essentially said, well, hang on, that's not, that's not the way this is supposed to work. They're supposed to work reasonable amounts of overtime and that's where the whole thing came out and that's why the figure's hitting somewhere around the um, $300 million mark and this has a lot of ramifications for um, the professional professional firms, accounting firms. Can you imagine the large firms in Sydney where, you know, they have to meet a deadline and their auditors are staying back till midnight, Mm. you know, working to try and get the audit done. Now, it's going to call into question what is, you know, a reasonable amount of, um, of overtime. So... It's it's a really yeah it's look it's a business issue, Julian. It, you know, and if you're a business person, you have to pay attention to to the award and what it actually says. So a lot of it is uh, media hype or words like wage wage theft. And yeah, look, wage so, theft is a bit it's a bit mischievous. I don't look. Yeah. I think in some cases it's justified. And 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 look, and I'll, and I'll give you an example. You know, I have a few that land on my on my desk. You know, if you have someone who who doesn't an employer who doesn't who does not know that the award system is updated regularly and that they um, that there are pay rises that are given um, at regular intervals well you're being um, reckless and belligerent and and that is wages theft if there's been a decision made that the award, the minimum wage goes up and you haven't passed that on because you don't know well I'm sorry you should know you that's the sort of stuff that you ought to know um, where it gets a little bit tricky and and, and again well, one example I can give you is um, the ATO changed their interpretation, right? So one minute you don't have to pay superannuation on annual leave loading, the next minute you do. Okay. And people don't know that. And that's the sort of stuff where people get caught out. Mm. Um, and to me, that's, you know, they're, they're, you don't know what you don't know. They're honest errors. So, mm. so I'll give you, I know we're running out of time, so I'm mm-hmm. going to give you a, um, a, a quick list of... What we should do as a small business. What do you need to do as a small business? Now, and, and I did this in the context that we get a lot of um, requests to calculate termination of termination pays, right? Mm. The very first question I ask is, um, does the employee have a, a contract, an employee, a contract of employment? 
And if they do, can I please have a copy of it so I can have a read of what the terms are? I can tell you now, 99% of the time, they do not have a contract. So the next question I ask is, well, what award are they being paid under? And you get a mixed response. Oh, I think they're paid under the... Don't Mm. think. (laughs) Don't think. You have to know. You have to know. You make it your business to know that they are paid under the Motor Vehicle Award or the Hospitality Award or the Clark's Private Award. And then once you've done that, Fair Work are very, very good on their website to send you alerts. Mm. Go onto their website, click the box to say, send me an email when there's something that happens. And guess what? You're going to get an email to say, the Clark's Award was just updated last week. Um, go onto the website and have a look at the new um, yeah. updated minimum rates of pay. Mm, mm. That's the sort of stuff you've got to do. Yeah, I, I right? agree. I agree with your comment. Uh, the number of people that don't have that employment contract is just ludicrous. Even even something simple like you know what's the basis of employment? A couple yeah. of times I've asked, well, what's the basis? Are they full time? What? Where's the letter of offer? What have you actually offered your employee? I uh, haven't got one. Well, what? what mm. What basis are they being? Are they full time? Are they part time? Are they casual? I had a I had a client years ago who who had a dispute with Fair Work with one of his employees, and I was trying to pull apart his you know the old style wages book, and I rang him and I said, "Is this guy casual or or a part timer?" He goes, "Oh, he's a casual." And I said, "All right, well, if he's a casual, why are you paying him holiday pay at Christmas?" <laughs> and he said, "Oh, well, you know, I I just like to to um to pay." And I said, "Well, that's then you're actually." you're actually admitting that he's not a casual, that he's permanent part-time, which is what Fair Work ended up saying. And guess what? He had to then pay annual leave on (laughs) on top. This is the sort of, you know, it's the sort of, you know, record-keeping that that needs to be done. I'm I'm astounded even something as simple as a superannuation choice form that's hand, that needs to be handed out. You know, what's that? What's, where's your default super fund? So if, you're, if your employee doesn't fill in a form in time within 28 days, they're supposed to say, I choose XYZ um, fund. And if they don't do that, the employer is supposed to have a default superannuation fund that the super contributions go into. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm, I'm stunned that, you know, a lot of people don't know that they need a, um, a low-cost, um, you know, default fund. Um, and I'll finish with two, two quick ones. The fair work information statement, that's something that has to be handed out to say, here are all the minimum you know, uh, uh, pay requirements, here are all the minimum standards that, you, um, that you'll be under once you're employed. So business law and you. It's a great name for a, uh, a radio right. program. <laughs> it's been going for 18 years now, so that's good. Hey, well done. Yeah, yeah, well done. So, so yeah. it's, a business, it's a business issue, um, Julian, yeah. and, it, and it's... You know, in, a, in businesses, you need to mitigate, minimise your risk, and this is one area. It's a massive, yeah. massive area that um, if you have just, even if it's one arm's length employee, you need to um, you need to be all over it. Great. We'll have a chat with you there, and we'll have a chat with you again next month. Okay. Thank well, you. Hopefully something less controversial. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Have a good month. Bye-bye. Thanks, Julian. Cheers. Tony Vidray there from AV Chartered Accountants, helping us to understand uh, what's going on with this payroll uh, errors. And you're listening to Business, the Law and You on 2NURFM. Time for our chat with Christina. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. So we're going to look at uh, some security issues in the business. Yeah, sure. So some of the things that came out um, at the Singularity U Australia Summit were around governance and security. Uh, and when we're talking about democracy, Pia Mancini was, was discussing how we're living in the 21st century, but we're living um, with 19th century institutions, you know, the conception of what it was like then with, um, with 15th century, if you like, 
uh, technology, um, and we haven't really moved that far from when the Greeks invented democracy in 500, 508 BC. Mm. So we still we're still defining ourselves geographically, um, even though we're talking about things like you know breaking down borders and global citizens and universal, and we've got people working on security systems that allow refugees, for example, to have some kind of identity when they track. So what happens um, when we no longer want to define ourselves geographically as far as our location and our democracy and where we where we actually base ourselves? What does a universal basic income mean on a global level? Um, there's a, a system around the world where we're actually losing trust in what governments do, um, but how are we going to change those systems from within? Uh, and, you know, we, we, we talk often talk about hacking security systems and big brothers watching and, you know, examples of Facebook listening, etc. But what's the alternative to that? And haven't we always hacked? So even when we've had paper voting systems, we've always had hacking. You know, people people have said, well, you know, the, the elections were rigged or whatever. So potentially now we have that ability on a greater scale and we can rob people of greater things and greater amounts than we could have back then. But but the whole idea about hacking um, is still is still active and, you know, happening wherever we go, whether it's paper-based or whether it, it's um, technology-based. So where can we afford ourselves the best protection? So um, you think governments are looking at the ethics and, and that side of it? Definitely. There's, there's many ethical discussions happening, um, and but ethics, you know, as you know, is a, is a is based on perception. So, mm. who do you perceive to be right, and who do you perceive to be wrong, and and where do our base ethics start from? Where do they originate from? And you know, a, a perfect example around that is with technology and what's happening um, is with the tax system. So group certificates have now gone to payment summaries that go straight to the taxation department, and most people will go. That's unreal because that takes out a whole lot of, of work from what I traditionally need to do. Other people will see that as an invasion of, of yeah. their privacy. Some people see the, that sharing your medical records online um, is very beneficial for the whole of society, and there's many arguments as to why that's true. Some people will also then say, but it's, it's, you know, it's an invasion of my privacy, and there's some people that have been um, treated poorly by some health companies because they've, you know, they've, yeah. I want to say owned up, but I don't want to say owned up, because they've ticked a box that said this is, this is something that they've been affected by. How does that affect their insurance? So there's all these issues. Right. Well, thanks very much for your time again. Um, we'll have a chat with you next week. Look forward to it, Julian. Have a great week. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina there with, yeah, what are the ethical issues and uh, uh, everybody's got a different view, which must be quite challenging for government sometimes. Just time for our Harvard Business Review tip. Use hackathons to generate new ideas. Hackathons are no longer just for coders. Companies far outside the tech world are using these intense brainstorming and development sessions to stir up new ideas on everything from culture change to supply chain management. To hold a productive hackathon, follow these five steps. Stroke creativity. A short team activity can help participants open their minds. It can be as simple as a challenging teams to brainstorm uses for an oddly shaped object. Secondly, you can empathise with customers. A promising idea starts with a deep understanding of who your end users are, what they need and why. Thirdly, ask the right questions. Start with an open-ended but clear challenge such as how might we help our sales team interact with contacts more effectively fourthly prototype quickly 
Prototyping can be as simple as drawing a product on paper. Finally, nurture the best ideas. Put resources behind the strongest pitches after the hackathon ends. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. Hope you've enjoyed the program. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we'll revisit the uh, Your Business Health Check Part 3 with Rani Gardner from Turnbull Hill Lawyers. We'll have a minute on innovation with Christina and some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for Business, the Law and You at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Thomas Edison once said, the value of an idea lies in using it. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>